In this session, we're gonna deal with a question that a lot of us answer badly, and that is, how do we interpret the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Like I said, there's a lot of bad answers to this question. A lot of people have what I call the random coincidence equals the Holy Spirit philosophy. That's the idea that the Holy Spirit guides you through some strange you know, confluence of events that you just can't explain any other way. Like I was driving home, praying about whether or not I should ask this girl Megan out. And just then I saw a billboard that was the same background color as the, the color of her eyes. And the last two digits of the phone number on the billboard were the same as her age. And just at that minute, the, the light burst burst through the, the clouds and my favorite song came on the radio and I just knew that was the Holy Spirit telling me to ask around Jehovah Jireh. And you, you listen to that, you're like, I'm not, that just might be a coincidence. Other Christians have what I call the Holy Spirit as magic eight ball idea. And remember the magic eight ball when you were a kid, you would ask it a question, you would shake it and then you know the, the answer would float to the top. Well, these people, they ask God a question and then they think that whatever floats to the consciousness, the top of their heart, well, that's got to be what God says. Um, other people have uh, the, the uh, peace in my heart equals the Holy Spirit idea. Um, this one's really pervasive. People think that, that, that whenever the Holy Spirit's behind a certain decision, you have this serene sense of calm that just overwhelms you. Um, listen, there is nothing in scripture that tells you that a sense of calm is like the litmus test of the Holy Spirit's uh, direction in your life. In fact, if anything, I see in scripture an enemy whose entire goal is to give us peace about the wrong decisions. I mean, what, what Satan did with Eve was he gave her peace about eating the forbidden fruit, and that was a spectacularly wrong decision. Um, furthermore, some of the best decisions that I made in my life came through fear and trembling. once heard a, um, a very prominent Christian teacher say that the sign that God was not in a decision is you'd have a sense of restlessness in your spirit. Um, I, I am a type A kind of analytical person. I've had a restlessness in my spirit about every decision that I've ever made. And like I said, looking back, I can see that many of the best decisions of my life were, were made through fear and trembling. Probably the worst one is what I call the, 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 the Bible lottery approach, where you, know, you, you like ask God a question, look for guidance, and you just like randomly open your Bible and point to a verse, and you assume that whatever verse you read is God's word for you. I mean, come on, admit that you've done this at least once. Um, it's a terrible way of trying to deduce guidance from God. Um, you know, I've heard the story of the guy who um, does that, asks God the question and opens his Bible and his finger lands on a verse in Mark where uh, it says, Judas went out and hung himself. And he thought, well, that can't be God's guidance for me. So he does it again a second time. And this time his, his finger lands on a verse in Matthew that says, go thou and do likewise. He's like, well, I can't be right either. So he does it a third time. This time lands on a verse in John that says, uh, that that thou doest, doest quickly. So that can lead you to some really bad places if you just try to randomly pick out Bible verses. God never promises he's gonna lead us really through any of those ways. So the question is, how does he lead us? How does he guide us? How does he speak to us? We're gonna spend the next couple sessions looking at the, the five different ways that God guides us, um, and we're gonna take those apart one at a time. The first way is through scripture. Based on what the scripture says about the will of God, 
Uh, it appears that about 99.4% of the will of God is in the Word of God. I realize you probably can't make a percentage on that, but that's what um, I would, would, would deduce from it. Verses like uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 tell you, Scripture is given by direct inspiration of God, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work complete, thoroughly equipped. Those are some pretty tall promises. But what they're indicating is that what we need to do, the will of God is found in the Word of God. Furthermore, if you study the will of God in the Bible, you're gonna find that just about every single time that the phrase is used, it's referring not to something you do, it's referring to the shaping of your moral character. I remember when I was in college, I, um, I, I did a concordance study. I don't know if you remember what those are, but you actually had a Bible that was made out of real paper and had actual ink on it, and in the back was a thing called a concordance and you look up these phrases, I looked up the phrase will of God and I chased down every place in the Bible that it used the phrase will of God and every single time that I could come up with, it referred to some way that God was shaping who you were, um, not so much about what you did. And the idea was that if you became the will of God, then you would do what God wanted you to do. Good example is Romans 12:1 that says that the will of God for us is that we offer our lives as a living sacrifice of worship back to God. First um, Thessalonians 4:3, it is God's will that we live a holy life. If we become the will of God, if we become Christ-like, then we'll do the will of God. In Proverbs, which talks a lot about, uh, about making wise decisions and knowing the will of God, um, it always presents the will of God like a path, not like a door. Uh, most of us think of the will of God as a door, like you got three doors, A, B, or C. Uh, which one should I go through? Job A, B, or C? Uh, which place should I live? Which girl should I ask out? But Proverbs doesn't talk about decision-making and the will of God like that. It talks about it as a path, a path of wisdom that we walk. If we walk the paths of wisdom, then God will guide us into the places that he wants us to go. Uh, one of the best verses that, that promises this is Proverbs 3, 6, where, um, where God says to us, in all your ways acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. And all your ways acknowledge me means let your steps be shaped by my word. And then I'm going to guide your steps to the place that I want you to go. Most of that direction is going to happen in the background without our, our ever knowing it. Um, when he does want to break in, uh, in special ways, which is what we're going to discuss in, in the next couple of sessions, um, then he's going to let us know that. But otherwise, we trust that, that he's guiding us in the background as we obey what he's laid out in the word of God. Well, that brings us to the question of, of, does God guide us in our circumstances? Can we you know, determine what he wants from us by looking at, at open and closed doors and opportunities he sets up for us? And I think the answer based on a study of scripture is absolutely yes. Uh, the apostle Paul seems to, um, to frequently deduce what God wants from him by how uh, the Holy Spirit is sovereignly controlling his circumstances. A great example of this is 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 9, where Paul says he's going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective ministry has been opened to him, even though there are many adversaries. Uh, what you see is that Paul is interpreting an open door as an invitation from the Spirit to do something that Paul hadn't planned on doing. Acts 16 would be another example where, where Paul is planning to go into an area to preach the gospel, and then he said the Spirit forbids him. Based on the context, it looks like the way the Spirit forbade him is just by shutting the door so that Paul was no longer able to go. Um, so yes, God will sometimes guide us through a sovereign control of our circumstances. Every honest Christian that I know will admit there are times when God seems to 
um, do something in your circumstances that is exactly the opposite of what you thought he was doing. Um, the, the job goes to somebody else. The, the home loan falls through. The visa gets denied. Um, the, the girl says no. Uh, and you're, you're kind of like, but God, I thought this is where we were going, but circumstances um, are controlled by you so that that's not where you're going to have me go. Now, having said that, the presence of an open door doesn't always mean that it's God's will. Uh, Jonah is a good example there. It says that Jonah, after God had told him to go to Nineveh, it said he happened on a ship to Tarshish. I mean, can't you hear Jonah standing at the, the ticket window going, oh, you, what, you, have a, you have a ship going to Tarshish? Oh, Jehovah Jireh, he's provided. Uh, is that the will of God for Jonah? Absolutely not. So not every open door is from the Holy Spirit. Um, Satan will always provide a ship going to Tarshish. Uh, there will always be an open door for you to disobey God. Um, on the flip side, not every time you encounter a difficulty should you interpret that as a closed door from the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know if you heard this in 1 Corinthians 16 that we went through a minute ago. Paul said there's an open door and there are many adversaries. Not, oh, well, I thought it was an open door, but then I had some difficulty, and so I assumed that God wasn't really in it. No, he, he saw that part of God's will for him was to encounter certain obstacles and to struggle through those obstacles, and that's part of what God's plan had been for him. They were an affirmation to him that, that God had opened this door and he was gonna have to trust God to overcome these things. So there are times that you need to, to press through some of the closed doors. You have to, uh, you have to you know, reapply for the job, try to get into medical school again, um, keep going into the ministry field that you think God has called you to, to go into. Ask the girl out a second time. Not a third though, because that gets creepy. But the point is that you just have to balance all these things and follow the wisdom um, that God is using to shape you in his word, but be sensitive to how he's directing your circumstances. So you say, uh, okay, so you're telling us that sometimes God guides us through these open and closed doors and other times, you know, an open and closed door doesn't necessarily mean it's direction from God. How are we supposed to make sense of that? What I'm saying is that, yes, you're sensitive to how God is, is controlling your circumstances, but realizing that there's a lot of other factors that go into shaping um, how you interpret the will of God for your life, and you don't want to absolutize circumstances at the expense of all the others. Um, if that kind of freaks you out, um, go back to Proverbs 3, 6. It's one of the verses I cling to most in my life. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Uh, again, most of that guidance happens in the background, and when God wants to make something, you're aware of something, he's going to break in and show you. Now, I know at that point, some of you do what I do, and you're like, but what if when he breaks in, I, I, what if I don't interpret it correctly, and what if I mess things up? Um, I love the verse right before Proverbs 3.6, Proverbs 3.5, obviously. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, trust in God's compassion and his willingness to guide you. Don't trust in your understanding or your ability to figure things out. Um, I've found comfort over the years from a rather insulting analogy that God uses for us throughout the scripture. Um, seems to be his favorite analogy for us, and that is the analogy of sheep. The reason I say it's insulting is because, well, sheep are idiots. I mean, any shepherd will tell you this, that sheep, you know, they're not very intelligent animals. They can't see very far in front of them. Their eyesight is notoriously bad. You never see a sheep up on its hind legs, checking out the terrain, trying to figure out where the danger is. Uh, no, sheep see a few feet ahead of them. They eat the grass that's ahead of them. They will sometimes step into rivers and drown, walk backwards off of cliffs. They become cast, where they fall on their back and they can't get up like a beetle, they just kick their legs. Um, if a sheep gets to where a sheep needs to go, it's because of the, the competency and the compassion of the shepherd. The reason that is insulting is because 
in many ways, I'm a sheep. The reason it's comforting is because I have an uber competent and uber compassionate shepherd who is not depending on me to figure out his will. He is going to make sure as my shepherd that I get to the places that he needs me to go. You see, if Jesus purchased me with his blood, which he did, that means that he is more into where my life is going and what is becoming than even I am. So I can trust that my competent, compassionate shepherd is going to guide me just like he promised. And if we trust in him with all of our heart and we don't lean on our ability to figure things out, um, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him and, and, and obey his word, he promises to direct our paths, mostly in the background. And when he needs us to know something beyond that, he's gonna break in and tell us. That's what we're gonna discuss next session.